0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: WQAD Podcast Network.
0: The Cities
1: with Jim Mertens. A production of WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region. A podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues and opinions. And now, your host, Jim Mertens. I'm Jim Mertens, and this is the Cities Podcast. The cities have faced stiffer Illinois restrictions on people going out to public places, but It hasn't really lasted as long as the restrictions to the north and the south of the Quad Cities. You know, places like Sterling Rock Falls or Morrison, Galena, actually much of Northern Illinois. Now, Whiteside County started facing a spike in cases weeks earlier, and people like Cheryl Lee have been the ones dealing with it every step of the way. Now, she is the Whiteside County Public Health Administrator who talked to me about the fears of the Thanksgiving surge, the wait for a vaccine, and the winter that's just ahead of us. What are you seeing? right now in Whiteside County. And let's be honest, your county was hit hard weeks ago.
0: We did, we had a lot of cases that we were seeing and and unfortunately we had a lot of deaths that we were seeing that we did not see in the phase one, Um, very alarming. Um, So we have been seeing um, cases that are trending downward. We had a very high day yesterday, kind of concerning to see if maybe that was part of Thanksgiving, but I don't think we're gonna really see the impact of what Thanksgiving brought well until next week. So we're keeping an eye on those numbers, but um, today was a low number for us. I believe we had under 20, maybe it was 18 yesterday was 79. So hopefully um, you know, we can hope that those numbers will continue to decrease and our positivity rates will go down. Um, I looked today, I think as of December one, our seven day rolling average is down to 13.3%. And then our day uh, uh, test positivity on the first was 8.1. So we are trending downward. But I would just emphasize it is not the time to relax on the things that we are doing because everything that we're doing um, would indicate that um, it is making an impact and we wanna um, you know, stay the course until we can get through this.
1: Well, let's be honest, the statistics are statistics. What you're looking at is not necessarily the numbers of today, but the trend. The second thing is that, yeah, you were pointing out the 13% positivity rate, but remember when we were saying that eight was the threshold and oh my gosh, you're reaching eight. Now we're looking at 13 and being somewhat thankful.
0: Right, so perspective, I mean, we were cringing over 8% and we got up you know, 25%. Now when you get back down to 13%, it seems like, well, hey, that's great, but we have to keep it in perspective and, you know, that's still 13%. Um, and, you know, we don't want to see that. We, we want to get back to the days when, um, when, you know, things are normal and that percent is, you know, near zero for us. And then we certainly, um, you know, are very concerned with the number of deaths.
1: And I wanted to talk about that in particular because uh, the statistics that I have is that Whiteside County has had 92 deaths uh, to this point compared to Rock Island County, a much larger county with 135 deaths, only about 40 more. Why do you think Whiteside County was so badly hit?
0: Um, I think we were hit harder in the second wave than the first wave. Um, you know, we had a lot um, hit our congregant long-term care facilities. I don't think that we have the data. Um, I think hindsight's going to be 2020 to look back to see why, but to say there's one reason for that. I don't think that we can actually speak to that right now. Um, we did have a lot in congregant settings, like I said before, elderly, uh, of course, those who have um, comorbidities are at a higher risk for that as well which is why it's really important for those who don't have it to really look at those mitigation strategies to to protect those who are the most vulnerable.
1: Are you a little worried right now because of three things all coming together at one time? The holidays, COVID fatigue and talk of a vaccine where people are thinking, "Okay, there's light at the end of the tunnel. I don't have to be so careful anymore.
0: Right. Well, there is COVID fatigue. I mean, the workers, certainly, I mean, public health, when you're going seven days a week after nine months, you do get a little bit tired, um, just the physical tired and the mental tired. I mean, it's a, it's a very heated debate. Um, you know, people are going to like you, people are not going to like you, uh, you know, and you try to keep that perspective. I mean, definitely healthcare workers and the hospitals and things and taking care of patients with that. And I think the general population, I mean, our lives have completely changed, um, and a lot of things we do, and that's a lot to take on, uh, especially for the long haul. So we are always wanting to make sure that people are aware of their mental health and behavior, you know, those type of things that you might be struggling with Why normal. Um, it's important to self-care and, and when you're struggling and to get that assistance as well, because... This isn't going away once the vaccine necessarily comes. It's going to be a process to get everybody vaccinated. We're still going to have to mask and we're still going to have to do those um, things. You know, stay home when you're sick. Be more mindful um, of that one symptom actually could turn into COVID. I think there's some more awareness of that contributing to maybe the lower cases. Um, People certainly, uh, initially, we all, a lot of people were saying they thought they had allergies and we, we know that a lot of those became COVID and so more people are, are aware of that as well. And then, you know, contact tracing has really helped so we can identify early on those who may be positive and there's gonna be less exposure with that.
1: Contact tracing has been very important and that's why you have linked a lot to uh, get together through at bars, restaurants, but also family gatherings. I mean, that has been the big concern now is when it comes to public gatherings, more of the family gathering.
0: So yeah, the private gatherings have always been um, a source, you know, the, cause you're, you know, with your, the household contacts with your family and friends, you're, you're together for longer periods of time, you're less likely to mask and uh, you may frequently get with them. So it really increases the, the probability of becoming positive and spreading it to someone else. the weddings, the funerals, the get togethers, um, you know, the parties and things like that have definitely contributed to the cases that we have seen in public health. Uh, you know, we are able to through contact tracing to figure out uh, for a lot of the cases, you know, where they got it from, who they gave it to, and we can have that epi link to see what we're looking at.
1: Is contact tracing even all that important anymore? Cause we now kind of know where it is coming from or, or is it so important for the specificity of each case?
0: Well, it's, it's, it's important. I know that CDC has their recommendations and IDPH is looking at that. So it's important because, you want to help that person that has that, let them know they're positive and to keep them isolated and put those measures into place and, and, and you know, keep an eye on them to make sure they're not going to get too sick and make sure they're, they're knowing, um, you know, how to, how to self-care. Then also to keep people quarantined, especially those who are household contacts and the higher risk individuals to, to keep them quarantined at home so they're not out in the public or their workplaces and such spreading it.
1: CDC has changed some of its recommendations as far as quarantine. It used to be kind of like a 14 day and that's it. That's the, that's the red line is 14 days. And now they're pretty much saying, okay, seven days if you're not showing any symptoms and you're testing negative, 10 days if you have tested positive early on but haven't shown any symptoms afterwards.
0: So the, the the positivity rate is not changing. So when you when you are positive for COVID, it's still that ten days. Uh, you know the data showing um, the science after ten days of of not being infectious. And of course, when we contact trace, we will go the two days prior to when symptom onset started. The quarantine you can still become positive up to fourteen days. I think what they're looking at um, is after maybe day 11, the the rate of getting it will drop significantly. So I think it comes to the point of knowing the science and the data and the practicality of everything like that. So if we're going to use the most of our resources when you're looking at that quarantine when are people most likely to become infected and that's going to be early on in the in the exposure as opposed um, as opposed to later in that so the 14 days is still there where someone can get um, infected it's it's what makes sense for the length of quarantine to keep people out of work um, you know in those other situations and again uh, using your public health system Uh, you know, what makes the most sense to use those resources.
1: Now you have seen all of the statistics and you've seen these line graphs, probably you see them in your sleep right now, and you saw the huge surge that was in the spring. Then you're seeing the big surge right now, but you're kind of seeing it fall off a bit. Are you holding your breath now because of Thanksgiving and Christmas? I mean, in other words, do you think this surge might be longer lasting until perhaps mid January, just because of the holiday season?
0: Yeah, I think we we do kind of hold our breath a little bit. I mean, it's the pand- pandemic. None of us have been through it before. You know, early on when this all started in the springtime, you know, we kind of went on a little bit of lockdown in Illinois, um, and then you know those measures were put into place. As time went on, we had different phases, and then when you get to phase four, people are out and about a lot more. We were in warmer weather. A lot more going outside and doing things with, you know, family and friends. Now the cold weather, we're getting more indoors. So I think it's kind of the, the date is kind of going along with our phases and the exposure of individuals. Um, you know, of course, when, you know, holidays, you're, people want to get together. That's human nature. So we do hold our, our breath a little bit. Um, on on what those numbers will be and not just the cases that are coming, but how is that going to be spilling over into those high risk settings um, and protecting those who are the most vulnerable. And the other thing we want to look at is, um, you know, our healthcare utilizations, our hospitals still have to treat um, flu, flu. Uh, they have to treat car accidents and trauma and all those other things don't go away just because they also have to deal with COVID. So we want to protect those resources as well.
1: As the Public Health Administrator for Whiteside County, you're you're very active in the compliance side of this as well. Not that you're knocking on people's doors and things like that, but they do get reported to you. Has compliance changed at all since the first wave? Because in the spring, people were very upset. Now we're talking about being COVID fatigue, but also kind of a, oh, yeah, I guess this is going on again. Almost a COVID acceptance.
0: Right. I mean, we want people to be compliant with their mask wearing. I mean, I think more people are and they understand the, the importance of that and how um, more of a community, um, you know, engagement and responsibility to help people. And I think seeing these alarming death rates speaks volumes to people and what we need to do to be compliant with the masking Um, the social distancing and then staying home when you're sick and being mindful of the symptoms. And if you do have a symptom, you know, getting tested to see what's really going on with you um, and to make sure that you're not gonna be infecting other people.
1: And you do have a series of tests that are coming up once again, later on in December.
0: Right. So we have multiple testing sites in Whiteside County, both through both of our hospitals and then um, at our uh, community health clinic here at the health department. We also test five days a week and then December 19th and 20th on that weekend, the state will be here to do um, nine to five drive up testing that will be on the Northland Mall over in Sterling.
1: The other question I got to ask you is that once again, you take a look back 2020 hindsight on this uh, pandemic and and it started in the big cities, New York, Chicago for Illinois and people were going, oh, it's a Chicago problem. And then we really saw it sweep through the rural areas. Uh, I mean, you talk about Mercer County or or Whiteside County or or Joe Uh Davis. Did that surprise you at all at how it spread through the rural areas uh, in the late summer and uh, into the fall?
0: Well, no, I mean, and some of it, I mean, if you look at population, when you're bigger cities, you have a lot more people together. It's hard to social distance when you're in a very large area, um, whether, and people take public transportation on buses and trains and all those kind of things. So the, the closer the contact and the longer the contact, you're going to have that spread a lot quicker. So that's not surprising. The other thing with Whiteside um, County is we border another state. And so when you have two states that are, Um, handling it differently. So that will spill over. We have a lot of our um, residents who go over to Iowa, who shop, who do the personal business and who also work over there. So there is that, I think that influence as well.
1: That's Cheryl Lee, the Whiteside County Public Health Administrator. Thanks for listening to The Cities with Jim Mertens. And watch The Cities Thursday nights at 7, Sunday afternoon at 4, and Monday night at 6 on WQPT PBS for the Quad Cities region. WQAD Podcast Network. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on Auto Trader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> Auto Trader.